calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hello, friends. Welcome to Unsiloed, the show that busts the echo chambers. If you dig hearing opposing perspectives about big issues from a point of mutual respect, if you like debate but love light, not heat, welcome home. There he is. There's Jesus. Give me a little... Take a bow. Take a bow. You broke your computer. Uh, I can't. Uh, that sounds great. First of all, I we should have that as a as a feature every time. I like that. That's going to start a podcast. I got a whole. I got a whole slew of uh, of things we'll be bringing into the equation. And like, <laughs> so it makes a dumb a dumb comment. I have this. Exactly. I'll but do that after that's every that's joke. What would you do to your computer? Oh man, I spilled kombucha on it. it it's, it's, you know what? Literally, that is my cringe. That's my cringe of the week, right there. Not that you spilled it, but that it's kombucha. That's just awesome. That's what. I, that's what I get. That's that's what happens. That's I should not do so that. So it's time to get a new computer. Uh, and it was so funny, right? We were literally talking about this earlier today that I, my computer was dying, and it just it was just time. Have you been to an Apple store recently? I was just in one last week. Um, yeah, um, I was, uh, the most recent was probably over the winter break. It's amazing. Yeah, like the, got a couple of things. It's, a, it's, I mean, it, there's this aspect of it, which is quasi-religious to me walking in. Not that it's my religion necessarily, but that, right. you know, you walk in, it has this sort of temple quality to it and everybody's mm-hmm. there and they just can't wait for their device salvation yeah. or their device broke and they're literally lost without it. Right. So there's this like weird kind of vibe to it. I, I, I couldn't figure it. I hadn't been in one in years and I walked in there and I was just like, wow. And, and everything is just, you know, um, just so clean and immaculate and like, I don't know. It just, yeah. And everybody's got yeah. their little, their Apple vestments on, you know? Well, it's like the total product dominance, right? Um, it's, it's, we talk about brands, uh, you know, basically embracing or driving culture or, or brands that really like stand for something. And I think Apple has done that. Mm. And I think they mean more than just the products themselves. And, uh, and even for the products that technically haven't been super successful, they're still super dominant relative to anyone else. I was just hearing yesterday in a different podcast that they were saying that um, the Apple Watch hasn't been a great success for Apple. Having said that, I don't know if it was like last year or the year before that, that more Apple Watches sold than the entire country of Switzerland. Yeah. Right? Like all of the different brands that come from there and watches. Um, so even on the things that can be considered somewhat failures, it's still market dominance. Everything is relative. Uh, I mean, what are you comparing it, it to? Is, it, you're right. It is It is relative. Yeah. Can make compared to the iPhone, then you're sure. But, but then again, it's like... It's uh yeah it's it is very uh, as a brand I mean it's, I think there's very few if you like it and I think also I know we're going to talk about some of this as we get into TikTok but they themselves are taking I think taking some great position I think Tim Cook has been a leader in a number of areas starting with data privacy mm. I mean think about the impact that they had that Apple has had in the ecosystem around data privacy and overnight they were able to do what regulators hadn't been able to do in terms of protecting consumer consumer data yeah. All with a with a simple you know software update, and they kind of had solved for a big chunk of it. Is like giving users much more control in terms of how they get tracked, where they're being tracked, 
in a manner that I don't think we, we would have been able to get done if you leave it up to regulation. There would have been a lot more hearings, a lot of uh, making noise, and it still wouldn't happen. And these guys are like, yep, we're going to do that. And look, part of it, of course, is self-beneficial uh, for them. But at the same time, in terms of really driving the agenda for consumer, for protecting consumer data, mm. I think there's few that you could probably point to that have done more for consumers than Apple has. And interestingly, they've been rather quiet, them and any, any other OEMs that matter about um, some of what we're going to discuss, which is the content that actually runs on those platforms of which right. the privacy uh, is being disputed or challenged. Look, we've got two um, related, although separate stories we want to talk about today. I kind of thought mm -hmm. initially we would just, just talk about one, and that is the congressional hearings last Thursday – uh, that took place on the Hill with uh, TikTok CEO Shu Chu. Because um, I just thought that there was enough there for us to make an entire show of it. Certainly there's enough significance there to the business community. But we found another story that relates to it, and that's some of the things that are going on in Utah right now, recently uh, introduced legislation that severely curtails or attempts to curtail access to social media platforms by you know people under 18. So they're kind of related. But yeah. I, I kind of wanted to open us up here on the first thing. So first of all, this was the first appearance, notably, of the TikTok CEO in front of Congress. Now, there have been other TikTok people. In fact, in the congressional hearings, you can see the whole crew of TikTokers right behind the CEO, right? Like the first, like the first string of the people who have been, uh, you know, testified in these sort of multi-platform hearings that have been done in the past. But this was the first time that the CEO yeah, himself was, uh... came in. The the head of U.S. operation, what's her Vanessa? What's her last name? I forget uh, now. Yeah, we know we met her too, Vanessa. Yeah, we met her. Yeah, yeah. I forget her name. It's not Poppins. Say, it's, it's not Hudgens either. But that's what I'm thinking about. It's, no, no, no. It's with a P. I think I'm blanking on her name right now. But but in any case, yeah, she had been on. Uh, oh, Pappas. Pappas. Yes. Yeah, okay, I was yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Vanessa Greek Pappas. Name. Uh, yeah, yeah. So she had been here in a few months back. I forget yeah. now when it was. I think it might have been last year. But you're right. This is the first time where they actually had the CEO come and get in front of Congress. And the CEO, um, again, his name is Shu Chu, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. Um, the last name is literally spelled like Chu, as in chewing food. So uh, he's actually uh, Singaporean. So he's from the Sing he's from Singapore, um, which you know obviously is not China for those of us geographically challenged. Um, and he, his family apparently lives in Singapore. Um, but nevertheless, he splits his time between Singapore headquarters and the Los Angeles American mm -hmm. headquarters of TikTok. And a few things that struck me about this. So he was on the Hill, Jesus, for over five hours. Like they took like a break mm -hmm. to pee, even though they should know most tech CEOs don't even need to use the bathroom. <clears throat> uh, at least none of the ones we've worked with. But, um, this hearing, multi-hour hearing, obviously bipartisan hearing, uh, and you know how these go. There's like a chairman of of that particular uh, committee and the chairman makes a statement, then the ranking member, which is sort of the second in command of the committee makes a statement. And then the um, witness, in this case, the CEO of TikTok makes a statement. And that's probably the first 20 minutes is them three talking. And then afterwards the fireworks begin, which is all the questioning from the individual Congress people. Mm -hmm. um, and this hearing obviously was focused on skepticism. Let's say, let's say it that way that, that the congressional uh, panel had about uh, TikTok and ByteDance, which is a parent company of TikTok, um, their attempts to protect user data and a lot of concerns about uh, its ties to China, mm -hmm. specifically the CCP, which is the only political party in China, uh, even though as I come to find out about this, right, there's a difference between the government of China and the CCP somehow, and we can maybe talk about that. But a couple of things that stuck out to me and we can just dive in anywhere. But one mm -hmm. is the complete unanimity of the bipartisan pushback on, on, on the CEO, right? There was, he mm -hmm. didn't have a friend in sight. The most right. progressive uh, Congress people were just after him trying to eat his lunch and the most conservative ones did the exact same thing too. So the in a moment where we find ourselves so you know polarized and where it's become practically a religious kind of orientation, whether or not you're Democrat or Republican, to have that kind of bipartisan thing was so pronounced that even the people who were actually doing the questioning remarked about it. They literally yeah. said, "Like I've never seen, I've never been in a committee that agrees on on, on one thing." 
Um, so that was one. The, the second thing that is interesting is even though the primary focus of the hearing, at least ostensibly, was security and privacy and data and China, there was a ton of concerns highlighted about the impact of this platform and other platforms on kids and on society at large. So I think those kind of things governed it um, in terms of the thrust of the questioning. But I've got some feedback and some thoughts on it. Uh, I don't know if, if you saw any of it or at least a significant part of it and how you feel that the TikTok CEO did. Yeah. Um, but where do you want to start with this? I saw, I would just say how I consumed it. The majority of what I saw about the hearing was actually on TikTok. So I saw okay. a lot of it on TikTok. Uh, I did see other places like YouTube, like YouTube as well. Did not see the broadcast, of course, of it. Um, mm. But saw mostly a lot of the clips associated with it and it, it, it's it was striking to your point maybe that's the first kind of takeaway the level of unity that there was across the board of just really like being determined that 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 basically everybody in the same way that they want to ban tiktok i mean across the board every single person that spoke um there was an elements of it that also struck me and i think one of the one of the elements that struck me is i don't really understand after seeing that hearing, what is the purpose of a hearing? Because the one thing that wasn't actually happening was any actual hearing. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard people talk about that. And it's true. Like there was no, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, uh, there was no real interview questions. Most of the, the members of Congress across both parties, by the way, just wanted to have uh, like the pulpit to like say the, like try to get in that social clip of whatever they were going to say and rarely were they actually asking any real questions that they were waiting to get an answer on. It was just everyone just kind of speaking their point. Like, it, it, it seemed the kind of thing, like, if this was meant to just convince the American public, like, I, I'm gonna, I guess that maybe that's a question. Like, what's the first point question. of it is basically. What was the actual point of it? Like, it wasn't really to yeah. understand anything about what TikTok is doing or not doing. Is it to change public sentiment about TikTok? I mean, I guess it depends on where you, where you are in the equation. You either walked away being more convinced that TikTok is evil and it should be it should be banned, uh, but it couldn't have been by anything that TikTok CEO said because he just didn't get a chance to speak that much. It was mostly from hearing your own representatives of whoever you may believe in whatever point they were making, right? But there was There's, there was really little effort, I think, to better understand the situation, which I, which that was kind of my maybe my biggest takeaway that I that I started with. There's also like a meta irony in this that what drives what you just described is ironically the fact that these end up being clips on TikTok and YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, you know, shorts and, sure. and IG reels like, oh, such and such owned so-and-so and this guy right. blasted this guy. Yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. The, the great irony is that we're having a hearing about the potential dangers of these social media platforms and what's driving the incoherence of the hearing is that everybody recognizes that on some level they might become like, you know, TikTok famous and doing the hearing. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's like a, it's just the height of irony. Yeah. Um, th so I would say a couple of things. One is mm -hmm. um, there's supposed to be a practical purpose to these hearings. These committees meet and they have to actually legislate on stuff. And in order to get feedback from areas of um, either that they have accountability over. So, you know, mm -hmm. the, the legislative branch will, uh, interview uh, executive branch people, and basically they're accountable to them. So it's to get either data from people who are accountable to you or to get input from domain experts that are not available inside the body of Congress itself. So the practical aspect is it's supposed to be so that I can get more information. Right. But they have completely devolved into um, this kind of Instagram famous sort of thing where people I think are just trying to generate clips of like how they, they did something. It almost feel like a political rally. That's, that's the tone that they kind of come off in my mind. Right. Cause I think there's two flavors here that I'm seeing in terms of hearings. There's a flavor of hearing when there's a hearing that has taken place or an issue that both parties don't agree on. And it's a, a moment to basically throw your political points out there and get the go, go viral, whatever clip where you're owning someone. But the outcome of that is nothing because it's never going to go anywhere. It's they already disagree. Anywhere, yeah. they, and then there is this one with TikTok, which is, it was, it was so interesting how united everyone was because you don't really need to hear, like everybody already dis determined, decided just, just vote. what just it's going to be before it even started. There was nothing about what that CEO said or didn't say. 
that, that would have changed change anybody's mind. Anyone's mind. Nor did yeah. they want to really hear it. I mean, it was it was really interesting. So like both those use cases just seem like, like misuse of time in my mind. I, I will push back on one thing, and I don't uh-huh. even know if I'm pushing back, but just the thought that I don't think it's just con- uh, congressperson or senator to witness that is a lot of the obfuscation or posturing. You see this more in when the legislative branch um, uh, has a hearing with an executive branch member, mm-hmm. but the inability to answer binary things because you fear the implications of a binary answer are frustrating. I'll give you one example. And this one, uh, this is actually from this TikTok hearing. There was one congresswoman, I forget who it was, I believe she was from Florida, who asked the TikTok CEO, is is the genocide of the Uyghur people in China bad? Mm -hmm. Right? He he didn't answer, yes, it's bad or no, it's bad, which was the, the, the way to answer that question, irrespective of how you feel. He started by answering, well, you know, uh, as you know, we have offer all varieties of points of view on TikTok or whatever. And they asked it, they asked it five different ways. Like, just tell me whether or not you think personally, if this genocide is good or bad and, and, and the inability to answer those questions, because on some level he's thinking, oh, well, that's going to become a clip where I'm saying something against the Chinese government, which, by the way, is one of my criticisms of this, is that the guy twisted himself into a pretzel to not have to say anything that was contrary to China. Nothing. Not even, not the leadership, not the Uyghur situation, none of that stuff. So what I'm saying is, I agree with you that a lot of these senators and Congress people will will do their use their soapbox they don't have any idea they don't care what the answer is they're using it as a way to ask their question and that's what they care about mm-hmm. or to argue or to talk over but at the same time a lot of the a lot of witnesses because they're afraid of the narrative don't answer questions either like i mean what would be wrong with saying yeah i think that the you know killing people genocidally is bad yeah. And then, by the way, once I answer that question, let me explain to you what I mean by that. Like, just you can never get past it. Yeah, but but that's the that's a crazy question for someone to bring up in this kind of things because it has no relevance to the actual hearing. Like, it's like it's like asking Zuckerberg, "Do you think slavery is bad?" He'd be like, "Excuse me, yeah, do you think slavery is bad?" Do you think Wait, he wouldn't I, answer that question? Well, yes, I think slavery is no, bad. But, but the, I think he he would, and he probably would answer it. But think about it as in, in terms of a trial. When you ask a question that has nothing to do with what you're actually talking about. You it have an no, objection for relevance. Someone's going to say exactly that. Or like, what is, I'm sorry, what is the relevance? Like, are we questioning the ethics of the leadership or the CEO of this, of this company? Is that what we're here to talk about? Like, my personal ethics? Well, okay, let's talk, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. I, I yeah. think responding to that is pretty, it's a ridiculous question to ask in the context of what is the topic they're talking about. The, because the one thing that, I did, that she, that same person you're talking about, did bring up is that according to her on TikTok, you can find any content uh, that, were, that related to specifically the, the what's it called the town square. Wait, the, the town square. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, you know, what happened there in China, right? Where, oh, Tiananmen the, Square. Tiananmen, Tiananmen square. square. Thank you. And you know how I saw that? I saw a video recapping that and of someone pulling up that video on TikTok showing that it was there. Mm-hmm. It's like they basically combined those two things together to show that moment because he was saying like, no, 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 it's actually it's, it's available there. And then someone did a clip of that on TikTok showing you can search it and find it. And I talked to myself, and yeah, of course it is there. So there is like even basic blocking and tackling that wasn't really done in this hearing that to me is like, you could have tested that really quickly and shown that was the case. As a matter of fact, I'll say, hey, by the way, I have a screen recording to show exactly that you don't like you don't actually don't have it. You don't even you need a screen recording. You Whip may, your phone out. Right. Whip your phone let me, out. Let me show you right now. You cannot find it. Right. Exactly. But but, the, but that's my point. There's an accusation there that is not available because it sounds like a great soundbite that was but not you, actually tied to reality of what's on the platform. But Jesus, you have a you have a, you have, a, you have one of two paths. Given everything we know about these hearings, if you can choose to go into your word track, knowing you're going to get talked over. They're going to reclaim their time and ask you another question, or you could answer the question. Like I would have answered that question saying genocide is bad. However, that has no relevance to why you brought me here. Like, or something like that. But it's like when you go into your can thing, then you can't complain about the format. You can't complain about getting talked over because you're the witness and they're asking you a question. It's like being in a trial. I think the moment you start opening the door to answer questions that have no relevance to the reason you're there to begin with, 
it's just a bad strategy no matter who you are right like no matter I, I, who I get you it, are it's like it, it becomes this thing where it's like what are we actually talking about and i think that was my probably my biggest critique about this hearing is you have people that were that same woman was was asking them who we reported to like they I forgot the name of the person she mentioned like no i don't report to this person like he's like you don't report to me. and she was like all fired up i'm like dude look at the word chart like there's there's data that you guys have that you're bringing up and throwing at this guy that is very easily provable that is wrong so yeah what are we doing like there's like little homework that was done i think in many cases to, to bring things up and by the way, I'm, I'm not even the, like, the, the thing when it, I'm, I'm, I have very mixed feelings with, with this platform, right? On the one hand, I think a big reason why we're talking about it is not a TikTok issue, it's a China issue, right? And TikTok just happened to be in the middle of it, right? Because if there was another, another company, the th- things that TikTok is doing is no better or no worse than what most other social media companies are doing. As a matter of fact, sure. there's more data to prove that our American social media companies have done more worse than what TikTok has done today. And the only difference is the fact that they happen to be headquartered here and we have, by by that purpose, some kind of theoretical greater control over them than somebody who's <clears throat> headquartered in China. I mean, that's the only difference. That's because the only that guy, difference, he, yeah. He kept pointing it out. He's like, wait a minute, everybody does this. In fact, we've gone above and beyond what everybody does and right. we have all this additional layer of scrutiny. I do want to challenge one thing. Uh-huh. So you, you said that if this came up in court... Mm-hmm. The, and you were right. There would be the the attorney yeah. for the defense in this case would say objection relevance, right? And then the judge would rule on that. Now, what might happen in that case is that the attorney would have to make a case for relevance. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying in the case of China is, and I'm asking you this question: mm-hmm. If my concern, I'm not saying it's yours, and I'm not saying it's mine, but if my concern was, I believe you are tied to the Chinese Communist Party. And therefore, you are unable to be A, critical of anything that they do, B, you're going to be um, serving that master and not the American population that's monetizing your platform. How do I prove that? What question can I ask to lead me to that outcome if that's my position? Yeah, I think it's more related to the, it's more related to the actual connection that the CCP has with the with with the like with the actual organizations, meaning like how much access do they actually have? Even asking them, see, this is the, the thing that the really slippery stuff that we're talking about. Even asking how many of your member or how many of your employees belong to CCP. Well, like, do you really want it? And I'm, my question back as a CEO, like, do you really want me to be now asking people what political affiliation they have, and from there determining whether or not I should be hiring them? That's illegal. Here, like, I can't do that. Like, it's like me asking who's part of the Republican Party and be like, I'm not going to hire you because you're part of the Republican Party. Or, or the opposite, you're a lib and therefore I'm not going to hire you. But yeah, mm. we're really comfortable asking that kind of question to somebody else because they're from a different, different government. Like, my only point here is like, why are we asking all these questions if at the end of the day, what we're saying is ultimately, as a country, we're not comfortable having a company that is that successful being tied to the Chinese government. And therefore, regardless of what they've done, good or bad, we're not going to want to, like, we don't want them here. We don't want them operating in this country. That's right. the issue. That's it. Like, everything else about what they've done or haven't done is, like, the question about what, what political party they belong to, we're asking a bunch of questions that are illegal to ask here. Yeah, and that may be a bad question. Like, that's, that's, that's a good example of a bad question. My, my question is, what would be a good question to make that kind of argumentation? That shows that yeah. you do have deep linkage to the CCP yeah, yeah. and therefore we're so, at risk. Yeah. Tell me what are the actual, like, have you ever been asked by the by CCP to provide any reports on usage on data? What is the, how, what is your annual reporting look like historically for any of the entities that ByteDance operates? Is there any ties directly with the, with the CCP government? There's one, I think that they talked about. Uh, and I think that's a good like track to go down because there's line of question. Yeah, line of yeah. question of like because now you start to understand of what is that what is the point of connection because there is definitely a real danger that we're talking about here, for sure. And I think the the likelihood or the ability of the Chinese government to say not so much the data because I think there's less of a problem there, but more the the algorithm being able to influence thought, especially among young people who are very obsessed with TikTok. That's real. That can happen. I think we need to start thinking about like, A, do we want to allow ourselves to be in, in that kind of position? Do we want to simply, because then we the question like, well, then maybe we should ban every company that has operations in China. Why stop this one? Right? Like, why stop in this specific case? Like, where's Tesla, the Tesla conversation? 
Where's Apple for that matter? I know they've been talking about moving a lot of their op- manufacturing operations to the U.S. or to other places, including Mexico. But even the people that are setting up shop in, in, uh, in Mexico now, one of the biggest investor in Mexico is China because they know it. Yeah. And in Africa too. In Africa as well, right? So so what's happening is that we can like do a little bit better. Like, oh no, no, we actually have moved our outsourcing operations to Mexico. There's a massive Chinese influence in Mexico now. You know, yeah. I mean that's that's happening like right now. You know, it was interesting when I was in, in Guadalajara recently, Charlie, and I was coming back a few three weeks ago. Uh, I was a little surprised. I saw a lot of Asian people at the airport. Like a like a pretty big group, and that, oh, yeah, I almost yeah, wanted yeah. to like pull up to them like, hey, by the way, I'm just like super curious. Like, is this anything like tied to like international trade or because I heard them speaking, and it was you know folks that were I, I didn't I wasn't sure if it was Mandarin or not, but it definitely was 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 one of those you know. And uh, I just thought I thought it was really interesting to kind of see that that um, that influence that is happening in Mexico. I think that your questions about why stop with TikTok or like let's look at these other companies particularly if they're active in other parts of the world where them where those countries have relationships or big influence from China totally fair and valid but to me it sets the risk at data and privacy which is a risk by the way but like i would argue that in the area of influence uh tesla frankly nor apple really because they're not they're producing devices and and applications rather than a lot of content although they do have some i would i would say that on the area of influence they're a lot less um capable and i this was one of my big beasts with this hearing is and i've talked to you about this mm-hmm. before the the sort of the emphasis on uh data security and privacy is important like i get it no you shouldn't have your address and credit card numbers mm-hmm. and you know, uh, biometric data and blah, blah, blah. Like I get it. And people, you know, should know where the heck that's going and where, what it's doing and all that other stuff. But what is not talked about as much is the influence. There was this one Congress mm-hmm. person, I forget who it was. I think that, I think it was a Democrat mm-hmm. who called it, um, psychological warfare. Yeah. Right. And, and that idea to me is very interesting. It because is really interesting. Yeah. It, it at least starts saying like, oh, even if you don't have any of my info, can you still, influence, you know, how we're feeling about each other, how we're dealing with things like mental illness, blah, blah, blah. Like that line of questioning to me seems at least as important as data privacy and security. Yeah, I would say probably more in this case, uh, but I but I agree with you. Um, the other thing too, though, but, but to think about all these other companies that have a large part of their operations based in China, I think there's two main risks there. One is, and we saw this during COVID, is what happens when CCP comes in and says, nope, we're going to shut down the, 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 the export of computer chips. What does that do to the American economy? What does that do to some of these products, right? That's a major concern. Concern number two is if we're talking about hardware, and in this case, a lot of computer hardware, like what are all the things that could be embedded in some of this hardware? True. Right. That could be used for spying on people and getting data. I mean, that's a, that's a big, big problem as well. So look, when I think about these hearings, I, I think there's two main issues here. One is, you, I think there's two paths you can go down, right? If you really want to be more honest about the conversation. One is either we're going to um, look at all organizations, all companies that have a, a sizable part of their operation based in China and push those companies to either diversify, to move operations, to basically disconnect that linkage that happens there. I think that's one. And I think things that are more directly tied to data, I can see how those will be done first, the priority. Like, and I get the, that point from a TikTok as to why that happens. That's one. But the second, and it's related to, to the first one, is that, but if we do that, by trying to restrict China, are we becoming China? Right? Because that's what China has done. They have basically booted all of Facebook, Google, all these companies yeah. don't operate there. They, yeah. they boot them, and that has nothing to do with that. That any of these that was one of uh, that that was one of Trump's big things is like you know we can't sell Chevys there, but we can you know it's like sure. they don't allow it. Yeah, well, that, but that's the question, Charlie. Do you want to become it? Because it's, it has nothing to do with actual proof. That's what's happening with TikTok. Yeah. It has nothing to do with actual proof that they have done anything wrong. It's all on the perception that they could do something wrong. And and frankly, what this hearing shows is that these guys don't really want to hear anything about actual like. They don't really want to know anything about what they're actually doing. It's like, this has now become a thing that everyone has decided we want to ban this company for all of the potential risks that is there. 
But by doing that, and if we start going down the line of banning all these companies that are either based in China or that have major operations in China, then we kind of are like China at that point. Like, is that yeah. as a side that we want that? I have a potentially very American, okay. although it may not be successful anyway, a very American <laughs> solution to this. Yeah. Um, I think that the whole, I think you called it the, the whack-a-mole um, strategy, which is we hate TikTok. We saw this video. It really pissed us off. Let's cancel it. And plus it's really bad in China and blah, mm. and it's over, right? Mm. The moment you do that, there's, I mean, we already have enough problems with the American companies that do this, but there's going to be something else. Mm -hmm. Just this week, Jesus, today, as we're recording, we were talking <laughs> about yeah, this, yeah. that TikTok, like the top selling, uh, the top downloaded app right now oh, in the app store is it? From ByteDance, uh -huh. I'm sorry, from ByteDance is an app called Lemon 8, which is a new entrant. It's kind of an Instagram killer um, that ByteDance released literally in the midst of this. So we're spending all of this energy on TikTok. Let's say we cancel it. Now we've got this new thing to contend with. And even after we're done with that, <clears throat> what's next? Right. Right. So the whack-a-mole thing doesn't work for me. Here's what I think could, mm -hmm. that could be an interesting American solution to Ooh, this. I love this. And I'm not saying okay. it's good. Uh -huh. Okay. But here, here it goes. We have a very storied and comprehensive um, uh, drug intervention and enforcement policy, right? There's the DEA, there's um, all of these classifications of narcotics. Mm -hmm. We've got schedule one, schedule two, blah, blah, blah. And then people sometimes argue, should it be schedule one or two? And people use it for medicinal purposes and there's all that stuff. But at least we know that world, right? So heroin is different than pot and pot is different than nicotine and nicotine is different than this. And mm -hmm. they all have their different categories. Mm -hmm. What about if we introduced a new categorization and call it like, you know, digital narcotics or something like that? And depending on the gravity of what we're talking about, they get scheduled just like drugs get scheduled. Mm -hmm. And we treat them more as a controlled substance, right? Lemon 8 maybe is the equivalent of like nicotine. So it's cool. You've got a few restrictions and don't do this and whatever. Don't, you know, the, don't do something after 5 p.m. and do something after 8 a.m. or whatever the rules are for right, right. Those, those substances. But TikTok, that's schedule one. So schedule one means that it's only prescribed by a doctor and only in certain whatever. It gives us a mechanism to contend with this. And I think it addresses some of the issues which the data continues to infer, if not directly explicitly suggest, which is that a lot of this stuff is addictive, like, like a drug, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and so that would give us at least a construct if we treated it like a controlled substance and had a scheduling system and all of that stuff. What do you think of that? It's very American. It, it is. It actually, I know we're going to talk about it next, but it, it's, I think there is elements of this that, that, that I can see how those lines get, get connected to the kinds of policy and rules that have been put in place, like in Utah, that sort of thinks about social media much more as, as a scheduled drug. That's something that we need to really put a lot of guardrails around because it's like people almost can't help themselves and especially kids almost can't help themselves. So we got to put yeah. in the stronger and stronger guardrails. I do think that's a, a potential interesting solution here. Um, as a potential interesting solution, but I think one that really should be placed across the board. Like my issue with TikTok is that you almost got to take two paths, either ban all companies that have Chinese influence and that once again, significant parts of their organization is based there. And I think that's going to be a massive impact on the economy or uh, treat them, treat in the case TikTok, every, like apply whatever rules are there to every single social media platform that it has the same kind of habit. Like we, we talk so much about data and how much facial recognition is taking place, especially with children. The one that has the most facial recognition data is Snapchat for kids. Yep. Yep. I mean, I, I yep. get, I get the notifications my, right now. So it's interesting. My daughter loves get, going on Snapchat and taking pictures of herself with the filter and never, we never post it. She saves it onto my phone and never posts it. And but it but it, it always amazes me when I start getting these notifications that oh a year ago you were doing this, where the platform is sending me a copy of that picture. By the way, I never said keep a copy of this picture when when we did it. Yeah, you know of my daughter being a thing, and it's like oh man, it just kind of reminds me like you guys are keeping all of this data, all of it, all of this data, yeah. and a platform like that that is really aimed at kids where one of its strongest feature is its filters and its camera usage. Literally, they call themselves a camera company. Um, like, you really got to think about that across the board. Is if we really are concerned with consumer data, and especially consumer data as it relates to kids, 
then let's take the hard actual look at all the companies that are doing that and directly benefiting from that. I mean, you and I were, you know, we're, 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 we're talking about working with another company right, that does all the face filters, right? Where that literally there is like, this is to make themselves, people make themselves look more ideal, make themselves look more beautiful. Like that's, that's terrible for people's personal, uh, um, for their self-esteem. And, and, and it's just like all the downstream implications of that. Right. But some of those companies don't really get regulated much. I mean, even how much tech is coming out of, out of, uh, Israel, right. It's a huge tech hub. Tons. 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 And a lot of this also on the social media side, ain't that kids yep. like, yep. let's go across the board. That's why I think maybe the idea of removing the banning conversation altogether and just scheduling these, these apps and scheduling these, these, uh, you know, companies might be a different approach because we've got all of this definition, all the rules right. in a way established. Like I have to imagine, and I don't know, cause I'm not an expert in it, but I have to imagine when a, a drug gains, you know, approval or whatever, or even when it doesn't, when it's an illicit drug, there's categories of what makes that drug illicit. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that those categories might include physical downsides, societal downsides, mm -hmm. economic downsides. So if you use the same kind of measuring stick and say, look, have whatever app you want, yeah. but you got to put it through this filter. And if it comes out the other side that this is a schedule one thing, well, good luck with that because it's only going to be available to right. like 4% of the population. And then it destroys your business model. So therefore you lose the whole like, you know, dr uh, money driver behind right. it. I don't know. It seems like it could actually. Yeah, I like that. Actually, the, the more I hear you describe it, the more I like it. I think that could be an interesting approach uh, for, for, for how to be able to and do And that way it's a level playing field. Mm -hmm. It's a level, you know, everybody's like, you think it'd be Chinese or Israeli or from Delaware. It doesn't matter. It's like, you just got to pass this gauntlet and you end up with the implications of what comes out the other side. Mm -hmm. And since, since the profit motive is so pronounced in a lot of these companies, right? That's another thing that these congressional people were saying. It's like, it doesn't matter what we tell you about how, how many kids- right cut themselves and blah, 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 because you guys are just minting money. So it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Like if you can somehow like run a risk of a uh, run afoul of that, like if you can mess with that calculus, then people I think are going to be like, yeah, well, that's something we wouldn't even want to do it because if we did it, we would only make 6% market share and we're after, you know, 50% market share businesses. Otherwise we're not interested in them. Like, I don't know. Like we need to rethink yeah. the whole modality around this because we're going to get done with TikTok and friggin' lemonade is next. And, and that's not even to touch on the friggin' sea of AI stuff that we're so oh, slow sure. to even consider. For sure. I mean, it's like... What is that doing with data, but, right? Uh, there was actually a, a oh security leak that I think for ChatGPT that, that that happened not too long ago. If you are able to see the queries of other people. Did you hear about this? I did. Yeah, so <laughs> something happened. With, well, the, tw the platform's super wonky. It's super unstable. Yeah. I mean, it's like it goes black. It's like, you know, it lost my history the other day. And it's like, we're trying to regain it. I'm like, where'd it go? You right, know, so, right, right. Yeah, there's no question. I think with this TikTok conversation, what I'm most uncomfortable with out of the entire thing is that if, if as a country, we are comfortable becoming more like China. And even, yeah, even, it's an interesting even, if, it's, even if the driver of that is to protect, protect ourselves from, from China, right? But, but the more you start taking this, 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 this cut where you're just cutting off innovation, cutting off successful companies because they have tied to China, without any actual proof and you just want because of the concern of what could happen and we start doing it across the board i don't know man i don't think that's a good thing for us as a country even if it means having more security even if it means less risk of of uh of spying on on us users i still don't think that's the right path for us to actually take i think you're probably right about that because i think we have to be you know, we have to maintain that that leadership position of being the place where, you know, basically remaining true to the principles that kind of founded this country and, you know, made us who we are. Because I think if we start, even though that's the easier path, right. it's sure it's a lot easier to ban it and be done with it. It's not as much in keeping with who we are. That's why this whole thing with AI is really interesting. You know, this week, even though it's not a story we were going to talk about, but um, just today, I think it was, or yesterday, uh, about a thousand, you know, tech luminaries, including Elon Musk and Steve Wozniak and a bunch of different people signed this open mm -hmm. letter, basically asking all the AI developers to just literally stop and do not develop anything greater than, than GPT-4 mm -hmm. because we have no clue what this stuff can do and nobody can pretend to know the implications of right. it. 
And it was like this, just pause. And one of my first thought was, well, that is the right thing to do. But my next thought, the little devil on the shoulder was, you think China's going to stop? You think Russia's going right. to stop? Even if you stop, right. right? But it doesn't matter. We have to resist that temptation and still do the right thing. So I agree, we should not look to China's playbook mm-hmm. as what we should be doing. Which is why, again, you know, we've been, you know, say no to drugs. So let's let's stick with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 let's try that for next ten years and see how it goes. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Now, um, let's let's kind of move then. Your well, actually, your bottom line is what? Because I don't. I, I think I gave you mine. Is there is there a bottom line for this for you? Yeah, I I think it's it's what I was saying earlier is that I. Think they should the, the U.S. Actually, you know what? My bottom line is much more. I think you convinced me. I think that's a really very sensible solution that you're describing uh, of the approach you can take across all social media. Frankly, I should go. I think it should go beyond beyond TikTok. I think what happens though, and I think the reality of what's going to happen with TikTok is TikTok is going to be banned. I just don't see a scenario mm-hmm. where it doesn't happen, and I think it gets banned. It's very. I think what happens is very similar to what happened with Silicon Valley Bank. It gets banned, shut down. There's a panic over the weekend. Is not available, and then by Monday there's a buyer. I think that's the the ultimately, uh, um, uh, you know, outcome when it comes to that, where it will get spun, uh, acquired by a U.S. company. There's just too much money at risk. Uh, yeah, there's just too much money at risk. I think it's too big of a market, and I think ultimately it'll it'll get spun, but only after being forced to get spun. Mm, okay, and we'll, we'll see go what happens, anywhere think- from a couple of days to. A week of it being completely off the grid. Tech, TikTok is the next SVB. All right, let's uh, let's transition here to the next uh, subject, um, which is related to this one, as we already said, and that is uh, what got introduced here last week uh, in Utah. So it turns out, Jesus, that there was two laws signed by Republican Governor Spencer Cox in Utah to prevent children from being lured to apps by addictive features and from having ads basically promoted to them. And it's the first in its kind in the nation. It would do three things principally. It would prohibit kids under 18 from using social media between 10.30 p.m. and 6.30 a.m. Man, I'd like to think that that's a small number, but I know different. It would require age verification for anyone who wants to use social media in the entire state of Utah. And it would open the door to lawsuits on behalf of kids cl- if they could claim that social media actually harmed them. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I mean, you can imagine the social media companies immediately like lawyered up, they're suing, right. they're, it's like, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take years. And this law wouldn't even go into effect until 2024 anyway, even if it didn't get sued to oblivion. But it, it, it's a nuclear kind of thing, right? If, you, if every person in Utah who thinks they were harmed by social media can bring a case against you, it's kind of like what happened to the Boy Scouts or the Catholic Church in the way of all of these sexual, um, you know, uh, uh, abuse claims, mm-hmm. right? I, I, would, I would venture that 90 plus percent of those claims were true, but there's, you know, woven into that, it's just people saying, wait, I can, yeah, you know, for there's sure. a few that are like, I could sue and just do this. The Boy Scouts has 80,000 claims against them over the last 20 or so years in that regard. So a- anyway, my point is this would be like untenable for the social media companies as is if it's something that actually gets implemented. Yeah. But it's it's a response. Now, Utah, as we both know, is a state that is predominantly um, populated by by people of the- um, Mormons. Of the, 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 the Mormons. Yeah, they actually don't call themselves that anymore. Uh, the Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Latter-day Saints, which is, you know, it is what we used to know as the Mormon church, but they recently came out and said that we don't call ourselves Mormons anymore. So that's another story. But mm. anyway, so, and they have, you know, they tend to be more socially conservative, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know how Utah breaks politically, but that's just the way that their social makeup is. Mm. Um, so it's something that was received favorably in Utah. Mm. I mean, that's just the truth. There's just, there's a lot of, you know... Now, let, there's a number of things we could talk about here. Enforcement, is any of this stuff real? Mm-hmm. Is there teeth in this? Like, would it actually work? But wh- what was your thought when you uh, first saw this story? I mean, the interesting, one of the interesting things about it is that when this was signed by the governor of Utah, it was done on the exact same day as the hearing was going on with TikTok. So Thursday, that, yeah. there's an element of this where it's like, we're going to do something about it. Like, you guys can sit here, have all your hearings and... The reality is the the history of our of our of Congress and hearings is that nothing really ever happens from these hearings, right? So 
I, although I think in this case, it's an exception. I think something will happen just because of how unified it actually is. But yeah, look, I think there, there is it's a clear shift in terms of how the Utah is viewing, Utah is viewing these social platforms as the enemy, as a controlled substance, as something that people cannot help themselves with, as really like putting um, a lot more control for parents to be able to try to manage this. Uh, and, and frankly, with a, with a law that basically shows that there's no trust at all in the social, that the social media platforms are going to do the right thing, which is, it's been a pretty, it's a pretty big shift in terms of the, the positioning that I think the government has historically taken what a lot of leeway has been given to these companies that we're going to try to influence them to do the right thing. But at the end of the day, if we want this to be done at scale, is nothing like those platforms themselves doing it at scale. And the platforms say, hey, we can self-regulate. We don't need you guys to get in the middle of this. We'll do it. And we'll show that we're being proactive and doing some of this. But I think this is a clear admission that that there has been a broken trust around what we can depend on from these different platforms. Like it gets to a point where they're just mm-hmm. not doing it. And I think you do have a lot of parents that are frustrated. Um, I also think it speaks a lot to the fodder that is currently going on uh, around social media just being seen as enemy number one across the board. It's like one of the few things that people can actually agree on across the board. Um, and I think that's, this is the result of that. There is all these implications around how do you like really police this? How do you enforce it? How do you like the, you know, make this operational? Uh, th- those are the challenging questions I think that, that will come from this. Is it enforceable, Jesus? I mean, prohibit kids under 18 from using social media between 1030 and 630. I, I think it is in the sense that if it doesn't happen, it's already it already opens the door for parents to sue the social media company. To sue. And that's that's the enforceability. It doesn't mean it is going to happen, right? Kids are going to find a way. The question is, if they do it, do, do does this law give parents the ability, the tools to be able to turn around and sue these companies? And there's nothing like a couple of class action suits that will then change behavior pretty quickly. So I, I do think it's a big deal. And I do think it's one that while it may be hard to enforce the practical side of it, I, I, I do think that it'll turn into some cases pretty quickly of parents that have come back and be like, I mean, imagine if, if this happens of a kid that commits suicide because of something that happened online. And if it turns out that they saw this like in the middle of the night, like that's the case right there. And it does happen. Like that's the thing. It does actually happen. Yeah, it does. Like that's... There's like there's a, social, there's bullying online. I mean, it's all kinds of things you could look at course. that happens. And it gives these parents a tool to then go back and now go after these, these, these social media companies. A number of organizations have uh, instantly come out against this. Um, they say broadly that the Utah legislation um, setting these time limits and age verification would infringe on teens' right to free speech and privacy. Yep. They also say that verifying every user's age would actually empower the social media platforms themselves with more data. For sure. Like, you know, having to give your ID before you do something or whatever. Um, What, what, what do you think about that? I think it's true. You can't, you can't, you can't enforce laws around age without getting more information about that person. And and we know that self-reporting is just doesn't really work. A kid could say whatever age they want to say. Uh, when they create an yeah. account, it doesn't really work. That's the general standard right now. Uh, you will have to have more. I mean, that's the trade-off. Like, do we want that? I mean, TikTok could do that as well. TikTok, I mean, by the way, they will be impacted by this. We're going to, I mean, we're putting a law that by its nature, by its nature, will give more data about our kids to TikTok. Now, what about though, if somebody were to say, okay, I guess we're giving more data to these companies, Mm -hmm. but the data that we're giving is less actionable. So hear me out. If I give you my state issued ID, you've got verification that I am who I say I am. I'm of an age that I say I am and I live in a place or whatever, right? That's what I'm giving you. Um, but, but that's different than giving you, you know, biometrics, usage, Uh, all the other kinds of data, and is that a trade-off that I'm willing to make if it means that some of that biometric and other data can be used less or in a less harmful way? Yeah, I mean, that's it depends on how you look at it. Right now, what mostly is required to create a social media account is just an email. So think about it from that perspective. is like you have very little information from me in terms of uh, in the, at the moment of creating an account. And now we're talking about having a, you know, a state ID where now I have a lot more information about you the second you're joining the, the, the actual platform. 
That's not even, mm. th- then you add all the behavioral stuff, you, you add geolocation. I mean, that, that's a lot. That's a lot that you're giving up in the process. Um, and I think that's the real trade-off that people seem to kind of not fully understand uh, that would need to happen in order for these platforms to be able to do the things that I think a lot of people want them to do. Mm. Well, I, I don't I don't know that this uh, law is going to go into effect anytime soon because, like I said, they're the, the, some of the most powerful companies in the country and organizations are bringing suit against it, and we know how long that process is. Or, but it is very interesting. Or, or even that yeah, or even these... better facial recognition, Charlie. Like, if I'm able to really mm-hmm. analyze your face, I'm able to tell what your approximate age is, and if I can tell that you may look like you're underage, then there's maybe a second layer of asking for more information. But now I'm capturing both. Which ironically is what TikTok does now. One of the ve- one of the very few sentences that the CEO could get out in his hearing was the fact that one of the they have a two step uh, verification for um, age, which is they'll accept you if you say you're sixty two or forty eight or whatever you decide to lie about. But then they actually look at the account yeah. and see are you interacting with people at that age group or like so like the data is a two edged sword right. because you need it in order to verify sure. things. But if you don't have it, you know yeah, what I mean. But it's, in this case, I remember, I remember that he was talking about public data that a user will upload, pictures, etc. Right. Sure. Their posts. Their, their posts. Yeah, and I think the reaction from one of the senators was like, oh, that's really cre- creepy. Yeah. But anyone could look at that. Like there is, there's an element there. It's yeah. Public. It's public. I mean, you're as a user, you're choosing to give this data and make it public. When we're talking about age verification, that is private data, right? That's something that you wouldn't mm. be very comfortable putting, leaving your ID in the middle of a coffee table of, of a crowded, you know, uh, coffee restaurant. You just wouldn't have been like, none of us would be comfortable with, with that. Um, mm. and I think that's a really big difference. Yeah. Well, we'll see where this one goes. I mean, I, I do think that states and local communities do have to have a seat at the table here. And so on one side, I'm happy that there's a state taking some action, even though it might not be enforceable or practical because the federal government, man, to your earlier point, it's just maybe not on this one, but just in general, not a lot getting done. Not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly the case. You ready to do courage or cringe? Uh, yes, I am. Let's do it. All right. And Jesus, we are going to start with you this week. First time, first time in a long time. Yeah. I haven't so get, been, get your thinking, thinking cap. On. I haven't been doing many courage here, or cringes uh, recently. So here, here, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll buy you some time. Okay. Ready? Here we go. This is your. Wow. The, the, All right. The, the sound what is it? Um, yeah, I would say the 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 biggest thing on my mind um, in this last couple of days has been what uh, the tragedy that just happened in Nashville. Uh, yeah. It's it's such a it, it's so sad that it's so common um, that when you see it, it's almost like it's almost losing the shock value, which is like really really sad. Like that is like that's mm. where you know you really have a big problem is that when you see it and this doesn't yes it may raise an eyebrow, but it also like of course this happened again. Right. And when you see the level of inaction, the level of just lack of interest of wanting to do anything from a congressional standpoint to address this, that's where I, I just don't get that. I mean, you, you look at the you look at the the actual all the energy, all the unity around banning TikTok, and you look at all the apathy and want to do anything around creating better controls around who in our country has access to high power weapons. It's such a night and day, uh, 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 such a night and day approach. And I just, you know, I, it's, it's very frustrating, of course, uh, to see this frustrating to me when I, when I see that and, and you hate to see, of course, this happen. And I don't know, man, I don't know what needs to happen for people to care more. It's like, we've had so much conversation as of late about wanting to protect our kids whether it's around social media, whether it's this law that we just talked about in Utah, whether it's around what is taught at schools, whether it's around what shows people are able to go to. Um, but yeah, when it comes to these things that are literally killing kids, is like, no, we already have all the laws that can be done there. It's more the problem with the people. Uh, and even if it was all about the people, what are we actually doing to yeah. better understand who are the people that should and shouldn't actually have these guns. And that's the part, like, I, I, I don't know, man, I don't, I'm at a loss and it's, it's super sad because I think about the, the, the families that were impacted by this, the age, I have a daughter that is very close to that age. 
uh, and it's you know you can't fathom uh, what what they may be going through. Getting that call, yeah, of course, yeah, of course. There's also the additional layers of this that the victims that the school was itself a Christian school. There's I guess some allegations that this was a hate crime. Yeah, I've seen that um, directed at Christians. <clears throat> Uh, and that the shooter was female for one, yeah. and two transsexual. Yeah, right. So yeah. I've seen all so they, of there's the like all commentary these on that. But okay, but even if that's the case, like I guess part of my question is like, okay, so now we can look at it because it's a hate crime, or or like because it was targeting potentially. Well, let's say it actually was. It was targeting a, a Christian school. Okay, so now we're gonna look at it, right? Like what needs to take place? You know, it didn't. It didn't take place when Sandy Hook happened with a bunch of kids. Like, what needs to actually happen is is the part where I I'm just like at a loss for us to take a yeah. more active, serious look at this and to have a level of unity that we see right now against something like banning TikTok. I think, I mean, sadly, on a macro level, and this is not to be fatalistic or defeatist, but I just think we have to acknowledge our culture is dying, Jesus. Our culture is in a very bad place. This happens to every great civilization. It reminds me of like Rome in the 6th century. We are just, th this is a corroding culture. And I think that if we ban, and I, I'd be in favor of it. Let's let's talk about limiting, you know, um, high power magazines and doing all these different things almost to show what would happen. And I just feel that if we don't get to the root of why we have a disdain for other human beings, why we don't have any optimism, why we have no unity. If we don't get to the heart of that, you know, I don't think that that solves the issue, uh, but I do believe that we could certainly make improvements on the margin, yeah. on the margins, which we've talked about before. Yeah. I think, look, on the question of this, um, I think the conservatives and progressives will need to test their consistency and their mettle on this case. Because if you're a conservative and you believe in your argumentation that the laws already are on the books and that, you know, it only affects uh, people who are law-abiding and people who commit crime are not law-abiding, therefore it doesn't matter, you have to be, you know, because the shooter is different than the gender you expected, the race that you expected, or the rationale was different than you expected, you have to consistently stay by that argument, right? And the same thing on the progressive side, right? right? If it's like, if it's um, that, you know, you know, it's only about white male lone wolf types who kill everybody, you have to grapple with the reality that it wasn't in this case, it wasn't in right? This so case, yeah, I think for sure. you, you, you got to be, you know, you got to be principled about it. I doubt that we'll see that, yeah. but, um, yeah. but I just, I just think that we've got to like recover a little bit of like, um, a little bit of something greater, uh, before we can deal with this, because it's not just this. I mean, it's a thousand different things. It's just like a, uh, you know, a cheapening of human life yeah. across the board that I think is is a big problem. Well, even so, that, right? I mean, where is even the pro-life movement as it relates to this and being sure. up in arms, literally up in arms about protecting the lives of these kids? I mean, it's just, it's just, it, it, you know, the, the part that's probably most frustrating to me when I when I hear the different arguments is that there's a lot of people that are raising this issue is like, they just throw their arms out. Like, it just, it is what it is. Like, at the end of the day, if someone really wants to go hurt someone, they just can't. Really? Is that really the case? And even to your point about how much the culture is deteriorating, well, it's not just here. I mean, a lot of the issues that we're dealing with are not U.S.-specific issues, but we're just the one that happened to deal with this a lot more, at least this aspect in terms of gun violence. So there's at least some correlation, maybe not causation, but some correlation that when there is just more accessibility to weapons and certain kind of weapons, this more really bad things happen. I mean, I, I don't know how else to uh, to put that, but it's, um, yeah, the 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 throwing your hands up in the air and it kind of is what it is response that we get from a number of folks in, uh, in our government is, is really uh, disappointing. And um, yeah. I think that access is definitely something that we have to look at and the access starts with the parenting. For I think sure. the government needs, needs to be um, access... Uh, forward or limiting access forward as well. But um, I think it's an across the board thing. And simply put, logic stipulates that if something is more available, it'll be more accessed, period. Yeah. And you see this again, as a point that I've made many times that nobody wants to talk about is the suicidality, mm -hmm. which is 
far greater, far greater in numbers of people killing themselves with handguns. Why? Well, at least in principle, because it's there. Now, am I going to stab myself or hang myself or do something? Maybe, maybe, but is it a lot easier to just like grab the gun off the shelf? Yeah, it is. Or better yet, Charlie, there's a higher chance that you'll survive. Like that's the difference, right? When you're talking about using a weapon, a gun, like your odds of survival are just a lot lower. It's a good point. So it doesn't mean it doesn't happen in other other cases, but there's just more of a chance for survival. Whether whether it's in one of these mass Mm -hmm. events or whether it's with suicide. I think in both those cases. I agree. I agree. And and I know this because, um, you know, I've done some work in this area, as, as I know you know, but with you know, people who um, went through periods of suicidality and even people who attempted suicide and a hundred percent of them, a hundred percent of people who survived a suicide attempt will tell you that, you know, instantly when they did the thing, you know, they stepped off the chair or they took the pills, like instantly regretted it, but it was already done. Now imagine that, There's if, no imagine redo. that yeah. you don't even, you don't even get the thought if you're pulling a trigger. Yeah. It's just over. It's just over. Yeah. You know, you don't get, the, you yeah, don't get that yeah, redo. Yeah. And I, I think that's what we're talking about. So it's just, I don't know. It, it's in some ways, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's, it's, um, yeah. it's just a, such a sad situation. And then you're right. There's all these other themes that are, that are tied to it, which it's, you know, this kind of jumps right into the culture war conversation, but at the end of the event, it's still the same basic problem. It's how do we get the wrong people to have less access to these weapons that could cause a lot of damage? Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's so your cringe on the Nashville situation yeah. as 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 I would be as well. Let's. My, uh, I, I I concur with you this week that I'm also a cringe, and it is on the Gwyneth Paltrow case that's going on oh, right I, now. Have you, have you I been... barely heard about it, but the moment I saw Gwyneth Paltrow, I'm like, I pass. <laughs> I bet you this is the. Uh, yeah. Guilty. No, um, this is this is the latest uh, kind of soap opera courtroom drama. You know, okay. this kind of guilty pop, you know, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, I forgot the, the, the term for it, but this uh, it's this sort of guilt, this guilt free uh, thing that people are doing is watching the Gwyneth Paltrow case. And um, it, it's kind of just ridiculous, the whole thing. OK, you hear some of the testimony back and forth. Be, the the reason I'm a cringe on this is because this trial, Jesus, exists in the, in this like super privileged bubble. I mean, like super privileged, right? Where the, this is basically involves a ski collision. There, are, you know, two people skiing, and they crashed into each other. One person claims that the other person crashed into them, and the other person claims the opposite. You crashed into me. No, you crashed into me. That's the argument. One person claims that they've suffered all of these um, physical issues as a result of that. That's the person who's suing Gwyneth Paltrow. And one of the things that he says to prove his credibility about having lost his uh, you know, medical ability or physical ability is that he's no longer to enjoy wine, wine tastings because his sense of smell or taste has deteriorated since the accident. Oh my God. That is, yeah, yeah. So he tried to sue, this man tried to sue Gwyneth Paltrow for $3 million. That case was thrown out, apparently. He's now suing again for 300000 which may be closer to his, what his medical bills and lawyer bills actually are. She's countersuing him for a dollar. And on the stand, Jesus, when, the, when she was cross-examined, and the attorney for the for the plaintiff asked her what her losses had been, what she had suffered. Her answer was, "Well, I lost a half a day of skiing because of this." <laughs> That's a real answer. That's like an actual answer. Well, listen, the fact that she's counting for a dollar—that's I, I like that move. That's pretty cool. I, that actually, as much as I, I, I'm kind of a hater when it calls her, I don't know why. I'm not a fan. The, I love that move. Uh, because some of so much of this just feels like just I don't know, just idiotic that we're even having this conversation. Like that, that's even taking place. Um, and I'm sure there's an element of this of this guy, just, you know, knowing the celebrity and trying to get as much as possible out of, out of that celebrity. 
Well, that's what she's saying. She's claiming that he just wants a big payday, yeah. but at the same time is trying to play the whole I'm just a real person kind of thing, which right. is tough to do when you say that your damages are a half day lost of skiing, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, can imagine, you can imagine the jury sitting there, you know, it's like a bus driver and an electrician and they're going like, what, where am I? Well, where am I? Exactly. Well, yeah, but when the guy, the other guy is talking about white tasting is a thing that he, like, he lost, <laughs> it's just like, what are we talking about? Like the whole thing is so... <laughs> just not relatable to people you know uh it's, oh uh, man anyway that's my that's my cringe of the week i hope they both get uh i hope they both win <laughs> yeah exactly go. by the way i, I have a win. uh a uh, honorary what do you call it? honorary mention what do you what do you call that blank yeah honorable yeah honorable. honorable mention honorable mention would be uh twitter um so i don't know if you've been keeping up charlie but um recently uh elon musk was giving i think uh to his employees more options and mm -hmm. they basically are valuing the company he and valued the company at 20 billion dollars where he mm -hmm. bought it for what 44 i think maybe 22 billion dollars bought it for 44 and at least from what the the assessment from other from other experts is that that's probably still way overvalued than what it actually is uh, mm -hmm. There's been a big, big loss in value there in that company. And one of the things that he's doing recently is uh, forcing people to basically pay for the blue check mark. Because if you yeah. don't, you're not going to show up in the actual for you feed of Twitter. And I think in a, in a case of being all about, um, like all about uh, uh, free speech, like it seems like such a... Um, bad move to basically make less information less accessible and less available on things that are relevant to me that I want to learn about unless, unless that person pays. Like it's, it's, it's such a, just a disconnect that is happening there. Um, mm. That I, it's, it's, um, I think it's, it's a pretty challenged platform. Uh, right now, they're not the top of anyone's conversation because they've been so sort of absorbed by everything going on in TikTok. But when you hear some of that was going on there, it's just really, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what's and, and yet engagement through the roof audience through the roof yeah there's, right there's, but number, there numbers numbers uh, yeah there is a lot of fight videos i'm telling you like that's that yeah it's funny because i've been yeah. paying attention to it now the more you told me about it i've been seeing them all yeah so just, yeah but again dump, back yeah. to the corrosion of our culture everyone wants, everyone wants to see a dumpster fire i guess all right well let's let's move on before i get any more depressed jesus thanks <laughs> for doing that to me all right uh, we we need to end on a, on an upbeat so we'll do this instead <laughs> You, you really are. There you go. Uh, you feel better? You feel better? Because <laughs> like the episode where we discover sound effects. <laughs> uh, All right, on. my friend. So anything else? That's it. All right, folks. If you're listening to us, subscribe to the show and share it so we can grow it. We'll see you again next time on Unsiloed. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.